When a seasoned sports fan teams up with a millennial, opinions may vary, but the debates assuredly won't disappoint. Check your sources. It's New Report, Old Report. Here's your hosts, John Lund and Al Renato. Yes, indeed. Hello, everyone. I'm John Lund alongside Al Renato, a.k.a. as New York sports radio fans know him, the great Al from White Plains. And this is New Report, Old Report, here on Monday, December 17th from 8 to 9 Eastern Time, live on Sports Radio America. If you miss the live show, you can catch the replay all week, also at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, or find the show as bonus content under the Bridge Sports Podcast, which you can find by searching for the Bridge Sports Podcast on Apple Podcasts or really wherever you get your podcasts, as well as at londonbridge.com. If you want to interact with the show, you can text in a question, comment, or complaint to 929-274-3437. Or if you're brave enough, leave a voicemail with the same and we'll play what you have to say on air again by calling 929-274-3437. This week, ugliness in week 15 of the National Football League as teams are eliminated or in must-win games. We'll recap our picks on this week's six-pack and preview the semifinals of the college football playoff. Check your sources. We're off. Now, what would be the odds that that was happening again, that that wasn't a new report? Was that a new report or an old report? That's what I'm asking. Is it a new report or an old report? Is that a new report? Well, we don't know. Well, Al, another exciting week, mostly on the gridiron. As we head toward the end of the NFL season, now in week 15, college football took a little break. There were bowl games, though, not maybe as exciting as they will be in a couple of weeks. But football always circles the wagons in the best of ways when it comes to sports. Episode 20, plenty to talk about. Interesting storylines in the National Football League. Some teams could have separated themselves, clinched playoff berths, did some things today, but came up short. Other teams set themselves up for maybe an easier path to get to the playoff hunt. Some teams are eliminated completely and unfortunately can't make their our graveyard because of that. They're already in it, and I didn't even get a chance to write their epitaph. But Football doesn't disappoint. Today, for me, it was a little ugly. It was a little boring. It was a little lax. But that usually happens at least one week toward the end of the football season. Maybe you felt the same, but we'll get into it nonetheless. Well, Johnny, the, the most exciting game may have been last night, uh, where your Broncos, uh, you know, lost for the first time uh, to the Ravens. Excuse me, to the Browns. Excuse me. I've got my Ravens on the brain. Uh, because Baker Mayfield always gives you plenty of bang for the buck. And it, it, it is about a, entertaining a 17-16 game as you can find. Uh, the Browns win again uh, to start our NFL weekend, so to speak. Well, throw a little stat uh, out for if, you, if too. You, if, you, if you want to count the Jets game. We got a stat uh, for that game, for the Broncos game. I think, if I remember correctly... With the Browns' win, they now improve to a stellar 3-19 and against the Denver Broncos since the mid-1970s. That includes the drive and the fumble and all those games that we know. Denver was looking good going into this game overall franchise-wise. 2018, though, will be remembered as the year that things fell short and the season ended against the Cleveland Browns. Probably something that would be completely unexpected to say 
since the 70s, really. <laughs> so well, j- it was on. Since you, since you brought it up, the only Browns game I ever attended, attended in Cleveland, in the old Cleveland Municipal Stadium, when I was a kid, as you know, originally a Browns fan because of Jimmy Brown, my father and neighbors and I drove to Cleveland to watch them play the Broncos. It was the Bill Nelson era, uh, the end of the Bill Nelson era. They had lost the consecutive uh, title games uh, to go to the Super Bowl in back-to-back years uh, once to the Vikings where they got absolutely destroyed uh, and the Vikings went on to lose to the Chiefs. And then next year when they jumped into the AFC with Pittsburgh and Baltimore, uh, they were the only team that defeated Baltimore. Uh, and uh, lo and behold, they uh, had to play Baltimore again. Uh, this is the Baltimore team that uh, obviously lost to the Jets. Um, that, was the fr- that was the first year. Uh, I had it backwards. Uh, they played Baltimore in the old NFL title game after beating Baltimore for Baltimore's only loss in the regular season. And then the Colts come back and totally destroy them 34 to nothing. And then the Colts go on. Um, and then they uh, get stunned by the Jets. Then the next year, which was their last year in the NFC uh, before the merger, uh, and they jumped to the AFC with the Colts and with the Steelers, the Browns go into Minnesota and get destroyed by Joe Cap and company for the second time that season. And Minnesota goes on and loses to the Chiefs. Then I believe it was the next year. The Browns play the Broncos with Floyd Little and company. I believe Steve Ramsey, the quarterback for the, for the Broncos. And we drive the eight hours, 10 hours from Rochester, my hometown to Cleveland on this kind of day, 35, 40 rain, not quite cold enough to snow, but just hideous. And the Browns get shut out at home for the first time since they joined the NFL. I'm guessing the final was somewhere around, if you look it up, it was somewhere around 31 to nothing. It was the the, the Leroy Kelly Browns, the Bo Scott Browns. Uh, And that was the beginning of uh, the time frame where Mike Phipps eventually took over for Bill Nelson. And then they started to go to the playoffs a few years later. But that was the worst Browns home loss shutout and that's the one game that I attended at Cleveland Municipal Stadium. Great memories. <laughs> as ugly as today was, it was uh, that kind of day in Cleveland uh, approximately 46 years ago. Well, there's um, two storylines to, to the both teams. And as you can guess, if you're a Cleveland Browns fan, this has to feel like Christmas morning has been most of the season, really. You could only go up from where they were, as we know. But to even be in this position where, I mean, you need miracles to happen. I think the last game in Week 17, the Colts-Titans have to tie for them to get into the playoff picture. But even still, with a rookie quarterback, coaching changes, you couldn't really ask for a better 
what is this team made of or what spark can we see to lead us into what hopefully our franchise years from said quarterback to beat a team like that in their own building, knock them out like they did. I mean, that, that's an incredible win, especially for a young quarterback. And you have to smile at what you're seeing for Denver. It's, it was surprising in a sense that they lasted this long in playoff contention, having that four or five game winning streak, whatever it was to get to this point. That was nice. Now you sort of look back at those games and go, maybe it's a shame we didn't drop those because John Elway comes out and says he's looking forward to having Vance Joseph with him next year. And they're going to look ahead to what they're going to do with the next year's team. That's, that's not necessarily what you want to hear banged up obviously with injuries guys were out there on both sides wide receivers defensive backs ugliness as far as having to throw guys out that were practice squad guys baker told uh, one of the members of the media i think it was ed werder that they went out there on that last drive and knew denver's defense was pretty much made of scraps in the secondary and were able to use that to their advantage and be able to take the lead and win that game you look around, though, and think, is this going to mean that because of the success that they had, if you want to call it that, they won't make many more changes to this offense and or defense next season? And to me, the quarterback situation is not great. It hasn't been great since Peyton Manning. If you take Peyton Manning out of the equation, the John Elway quarterback regime, since John Elway was the quarterback, they went away from running the ball yesterday one of the things that was actually working for them there's just a lot of ugliness and I don't know what you need to pluck to get rid of the dead weight and to to make the team start growing again to use a terrible spot it's a tough spot right you know you 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 spend some money on a quarterback who was okay this year um he, he was solid but what are you going to do in this year's draft? Are you going to look for a quarterback if one's available? Are you looking for an impact defensive player? You know, an offensive lineman to help an offensive lineman that has struggled over the last few years. Very curious in what direction they're going to take. Um, for the Browns, much different story. They've got their quarterback. They've got their running back. Uh, they've got receivers that they've signed. I think the Browns are going to look to build that defense uh, more and more and more. Because, you know, it's only one year. Anything can happen in the NFL. But for purposes of the rookie season, they have struck gold and certainly got it right at the quarterback spot. Now, when we turn to what happened today, you know, as you said, it, it was an ugly day. There were a lot of games where statistics were brutal, where teams didn't score. Uh, all the teams that basically had to win in the AFC did. In Not a very pretty game. The Ravens beat Tampa. Uh, Jackson didn't throw it very well, but he ran it for almost 100 yards. Uh, They ran the ball down Tampa's throat. They continued to run the ball well. Granted, they've done this against all basically bottom-of-the-barrel defenses. So we'll see what happens next week when they go and play uh, the Chargers in the soccer stadium in a huge game for the Ravens. The other teams took care of business. The Titans went into the Meadowlands and shut out the Giants. And surprisingly to me, I thought it would be, I thought Dallas would win this game or it would be very close. The Colts had their way 
uh, with the Red Hot Cowboys at home, 23 nothing. To me, that was the most surprising game of the day. And Pittsburgh, in an ugly game, yes, I, I am absolutely subjective, but only Pittsburgh could get 14 penalties called on the Patriots at home. The greatest home cooking in all of the National Football League takes place in Pittsburgh. They get more calls, go their way. You know, game in, game out in a big spot. And today, huge, huge holding calls against the Pats on their last two drives that cost them yards down in distance in huge spots. Calls earlier in the game on their second drive uh, when basically a 20-yard run was turned into a 10-yard loss that short-circuited a drive. And as a result, Pittsburgh hangs on. They beat the Pats for the first time in, I think, eight years. So they hold on to their slim grasp of first place in the AFC North by a half game over the Ravens, uh, 17 to 10. And they have to go to New Orleans next week. But as I said, the Ravens have to visit the Chargers, which will be a very tough game for the Ravens because you know, we go back to Thursday night. We see what Phillip Rivers is doing with the go-go Chargers. Once again, another comeback, down two scores, 28-14 late. Two touchdowns in the last five minutes. They go for two, and somehow, some way, their star wide receiver is literally got his half of the end zone all by his lonesome on a busted coverage, and they stun the Chiefs 29-28 in Kansas City. Several ways to go in the AFC as far as this discussing points. I think we can hit with the Patriots, because I think today might have shocked some people. Today... Losing two games in a row in the month of December, the first time that's happened to the Patriots since 2002. Steve Grogan was quarterback. I think, the last <laughs> this, time it happened. this is when they start playing Patriots football, or what we know today. They lost this game on mistakes. Right, three crucial drop passes in the first half, two by Julian Edelman, uh, one. That would have been for a big game. A second one that would have been for, I believe, a first down. And Gordon dropped one that would have kept the drive going at midfield. And then just countless penalties. False starts. Three huge, huge, huge offensive holding penalties that short-circuited drives, including the last two when they were on their way to the end zone. First and goal from the four, down 14 to 10. Two-yard gain to Sony Michelle. To make it second goal from two, holding penalty. Sets them back. They never recover from that. Brady throws for Brady, a mindless interception. Uh, Pittsburgh goes down the field, kicks a 48-yard field goal. Back down the field, New England goes. They've got a second and five from the Pittsburgh 11. Another holding penalty. Winds up pushing them back. Three incompletions later, uh, the Steelers triumph 17-10. to 10. And as I said, maintain their slim half game lead over the Ravens uh, and they get to go to New Orleans next week. And with a win in New Orleans, which would surprise me, but that would pretty much lock up the division because uh, there's no way they're going to lose to the Bengals to, to close the season. Yeah. And bills and jets both at home for the Patriots. So you would assume they'll be okay in the final two weeks, but, and I hate to say this because there have been doubtful times with the New England Patriots in the Tom Brady, Bill Belichick era where you think maybe they don't have it anymore, maybe this isn't the year, and they prove everybody wrong. Ah, this 
there's been a lot more ugliness, I think, to this year's team than there has been in recent years. And that could change with the flip of a switch. But well, I think I for think them, home field advantage is important. Very important. It always has been. They've always not had it. They're not going to have it. The thing that does bode well for them is if you watch the game today, and yes, sometimes they, quite often they move Brady off his spot, but Brady still threw the ball very well today. When he had time, I thought he threw the, he made some great throws today. Yes, he had guys wide open at times, but I thought he made some terrific throws. And he looked very sharp today throwing the ball in not the best of conditions. So I'm not too worried about Brady. I'm more worried about their defense being able to get stops in big spots and the offensive line's ability to protect him, uh, depending on who they're playing uh, in you know, an AFC playoff game. If you've got a big pass rush coming from Pittsburgh or from San Diego or at times even from Kansas City because you know, they don't play very good defense, but they can rush the passer. Not to mention uh, if they should wind up playing the Ravens at some point who always uh, you know, are able to play them tough and who he has had his uh, greatest postseason failures against. So that remains to be seen. But, uh, you know, one in doubt, they always have their uh, division games to fall back on <laughs> to finish off the regular season and lock up yet another division title. Well, one would think moving forward, teams facing the Ravens, will certainly try as hard as they possibly can to force Lamar Jackson to have to throw the football and not be able to run all over them like today was the case. Any surprise to you that the Ravens are all in on Lamar Jackson, or do you think, if necessary, and I don't know if this would be in-game or before game, if it gets to that point, they make the postseason is there a chance that's when they might decide to go to Joe Flacco or is this Lamar Jackson's destiny now? We'll see what happens and we'll see if he can get them to the postseason. I think when you have a player that's had Joe Flacco's success, if he's healthy, you can't afford to not go to him if necessary. And I'm just talking about a case of injury to Lamar Jackson. But if Lamar Jackson is having one of those games, which he could easily have because he has shown that his mechanics are at times awful. Uh, he doesn't take very good care of the football. Uh, struggled with it again today. You have got to be able to go to the guy and throw the ball down the field and stretch a defense. Lamar Jackson has not shown he can do that yet. And yes, they've got the training wheels on him, but you know, you're not going to win a game with Lamar Jackson. If you got to convert third and longs. And with a quarterback of Flacco's caliber in terms of the, his postseason success, first of all, you have to get there, remember, which may require them to win both of these games. If Jackson struggles against the Chargers, yeah, with Flacco, they've got to go to him. So you're going to destroy the kid's confidence. He's just a kid. Right? He knows they had decided to name him the starter for any extended period of time until this week when Flacco was finally healthy. So going to Flacco in a big spot, if the kid is struggling, is not going to destroy his confidence. Kids eyes with trophy winner. He's four and one as a starter. That's why you have backup quarterbacks. They just so happen to have a backup quarterback right now. Who's won a super bowl and you know been a 
a very good player for them over a number of years and has had his greatest success in the postseason, in big games. So if you're in a big spot and you throw the football and your offense isn't working, you can't just keep banging your head against the wall. If you got another weapon to go to, you got to use it. So I don't think we've seen the last of Joe Flacco Is in there... a Raven uniform, in, playing in big spots in a Raven uniform. I guess I should finish that sentence. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. Since this will be our last show heading into the postseason, I guess we could save this question, but I think what we saw from the Chargers-Chiefs matchup is an interesting one in that there's a history in a sense of both those teams coming up short on the big stage, whether it's the joke of Andy Reed's clock mismanagement, the Phillip rivers heaving it for the interception on, on the final drive in the fourth quarter when he's trying to lead his team to win. There's these albatrosses that have followed the franchises around in the AFC for the past decade or so. Both of those uh, more teams, than the, more than the past decade. Yeah, well. I mean, we can we can go far more than the past decade. Right. That would ju- that would just hurt the loyal listener fan base of both those teams a little bit more on our show. Maybe it's the holiday season. We might be a little bit more. Re- remember with, with Marty Schott <laughs> with Marty Schottenheimer at the helm for both teams in terms of postseason failure in their building hasn't been great. Marty, Mar- Marty Schottenheimer's coached both teams. Marty Schottenheimer has had home field as coach of both the Chiefs and San Diego and lost in huge spots at home. So uh, hopefully for one of those teams, something is going to give this year, but that remains to be seen. Uh, The, uh, you know, Kansas City, they are just electric on offense. The things that this kid Mahomes can do are remarkable. And they've got weapons, even though they lost the best running back because of his uh, personal situation with the domestic violence. They still have weapons all over the field. Tall ones, small ones, fast ones, uh, you name it. And in the meantime, the Chargers, I mean, how good is Mike Williams playing right now? My goodness. Uh, The catches he made the other night were just, now you know why this guy was the first wide receiver selected. A couple of years ago, he's finally healthy uh, with the terrible neck and back injuries he suffered. And he is now talk about a weapon. I mean, this guy goes up in traffic and makes acrobatic catches while he's covered like a blanket and just takes balls away from people. I mean, he is a skywalker with great hands and uh, had just a wonderful game the other night that brought them back from the abyss and uh has now got them within a game of uh, a game of first place. Is there a team of the two that you think you can have more faith in that their past won't repeat itself for this season? That is such a tough question, you know, on the, because of the following scenarios. Obviously, it's very difficult to trust Kansas City's defense because it seems like no lead is big enough. And with the Chargers, you worry about just something going wrong, finding a way to lose, a bad break here, 
uh, you know, a Phil Rivers interception there, a bad call. You know, they've had such a long history of terrible kicking. Right? Uh, but that seems you know, to have ruined itself. So I, I am the things of, of those two teams, the thing that I am most concerned about is the Kansas City defense. Uh, the Charger defense, uh, you know, now that they've got Bosa back, uh, I think is a much better defense. They put a ton of pressure on the quarterback. Uh, Phil Rivers is getting good protection. He finds ways uh, to bring his team back. Uh, they can run the ball. Their, their offense has all the aspects that you needed to have. And I think they have the better defense. Uh, so I, I would worry much more about the KC defense in terms of concerns I have for those two teams. Fascinating to me is the Phillip Rivers record year by year since he's been on the Chargers because he'll have the, and this has been a, a very long run of success, but he'll have these years where they'll do very well. And you'll think like, what's happened? Why hasn't, this been a, a consistent trend for success. And, and when you read the record by record for the Chargers, and, and listen, tons of things happen to an NFL team as the year goes on, as we know, injuries. And the, it, it seems like the Chargers lose half their games every year on a missed field goal at the end of regulation or an interception or a tip ball or a sack. Like it, they're always in games seemingly. But if you just read the records aloud, we could skip 2004, I guess, 12 and 4 early on. 9 and 7, 14 and 2, okay, lost in the divisional playoffs. 11 and 5, 8 and 8, 13 and 3, 9 and 7, 8 and 8, 7 and 9, 9 and 7, 9 and 7, 4 and 12 in 2015, 5 and 11, 9 and 7, and now back to this year. Jeff Fisher esque seasons uh, for, for a lot of those there, but. That's always been surprising to me is, in a sense, what's taken so long for a season like this from Phillip Rivers where you take a step back and go, like, he's in the MVP race. They're doing amazing. They're keeping up with the other best teams in the AFC. I don't know what's been different this year where the switch is, is kind of hit, and now we can we can see that, hey, I mean, he's a great quarterback. There's no denying it. He's always been somebody that – I wouldn't have minded having on my team. There, there's something about that gunslinger quarterback that that I just. Well, the like. funny the funny thing with Rivers is, you know, since they all came in together, the argument has always been, you know, really he's the third man in because he's got no Super Bowls. He hasn't had a lot of success in the playoffs. He hasn't got no Super Bowl. Of course, he hasn't won one. Or Manning has got two, and Roethlisberger has got his two, even though he played a minimal role in the first one. But you can make the argument now, despite the fact that you know, Roethlisberger is still successful and it looks like they're going to the playoffs. But in terms of the three, to me, there's no doubt who's playing the best of the three right now, and that's Phillip Rivers. Phillip Rivers looks like he's got a lot of football left. He's throwing the way he's always thrown it with that almost short arm motion, shot put style motion, is, which is very odd. But and he's bringing his team back in games. Instead of falling short, he's bringing it back in the second half, 11th hour, uh, kind of car, a cardiac kid approach. And those 
real hair-raising white knucklers that they are famous for losing, uh, they pretty much won them all this year. And as a result, they sit in not a great position because it's still a wildcard position, but they are clearly a team to be reckoned with and have the ability to go to a Super Bowl. There's no doubt in my mind they have the ability to go to Super Bowl because they have the offense and they can rush the passer. And what has been an awful kicking game over the past few years has cleaned itself up on that front, which has become such a huge part of NFL success or failure in the last couple of years between missed extra points and missed field goals for so many teams. Uh, and, and it looks like they really cleaned that up this year and they're in on all eight cylinders and you know, my Ravens are going to have a very difficult time next week going in there and having to play them with their playoff life on the line. Well, I'm, I'm sure Denver will really enjoy probably beating them in the last week of the season when it doesn't matter. That's how that's going to go. You mark the tape now. No question about it. They'll win that game when it doesn't matter for them to win. Well, I'll put it this way in the AFC, the teams that are, at this point in, I'm pulling for the Texans, Al, with one of your favorite let's-see-what-he-can-do quarterbacks, Deshaun Watson. Second, the team that I hope gets in that I can also root for, the Indianapolis Colts, with our boy Andrew Luck, the, the team that, that shut out the Cowboys today, which I did not see coming, as you said. I think for people that don't really have a dog in the fight, those seem like the underdog type teams that are would probably gain the most traction aside from, you know, Philip Rivers winning his first stuff along those lines. But the underdogs, I'm pulling for them. I think everybody wants to see Andrew Luck have success because Andrew Luck has fought back. We all pretty much felt like as football fans, we got cheated out of having the opportunity to see him continue to grow and if he would eventually become the successful quarterback, both of in terms of his accomplishment and team accomplishment, that he at least started to be what he was building there until some mismanagement, some bad drafting, and then, you know, the injuries that just, the shoulder that just could not get fixed and now looks to be, I'm not going to say better than ever, but Andrew Luck is back. Andrew Luck is back. He's playing well. He's leading his team. Again, like I said, to me, this was a shocking victory. I did not anticipate a 23-point win. Uh, I thought the Cowboys would win the game. I thought at the very least it would be one of the games of the day. It wasn't even close. Wasn't even close. Uh, The Cowboys were never close to scoring. Dak Prescott played poorly. And the Colts were clearly the superior team and are absolutely positively in the playoff hunt. And as for the Texans, so far, so good for the guy who I said, show me. They have played incredibly well after an 0-3 start. They're in the driver's seat in the division. Uh, they are right now, correct me if I'm wrong, the two seed in the AFC right. uh, with uh, yet another loss by the Patriots. So things just keep getting better and better for the Texans, despite a, a, a putrid loss last week. Uh, yes, they struggle with the Jets, but as we said so many times when it comes to the NFL, it's still hard to win these games. 
So a win is a win is a win is a win. And yesterday against the Jets was a big win. It wasn't a pretty win, but it was a win nonetheless. And so now they're in great shape uh, for the postseason as they sit atop the South at uh, nine and four after an 0 three start. Uh, excuse me, ten and four after an 0 three start. So uh, I, I dared him to show me. He's done it. He's absolutely done it. And uh, they will be a very difficult team to deal with, especially in their building. We'll have a couple weeks off with the holidays coming, at least on Sports Radio America. So I can pose this question now for those teams, quote, in the hunt. We mentioned the Colts. The Titans are still alive. The NFC East is still alive, really, and the Panthers are still alive. A little bleak for a couple of the teams, but mathematically alive. From how it stands now, do you see anyone getting into the postseason who either will fall out who will get in or will it stand what it looks like currently which would be ravens patriots chargers steelers vikings bears seahawks cowboys in that wild card round chief texans saints rams getting in not in the wild card well let's start with the afc to answer your question uh and to be brutally honest as big as a raven fan as i am uh to me clearly the colts are in the driver's seat Next week, they have the Giants, and assuming they take care of business there, they if the Ravens lose to the Chargers, they finish the season against the Titans. Right. So they will be in control of their playoff scenario. Uh, if the Ravens do lose next week, they have a great chance to go 2-0 and finish at 10-6. And... Get that second wild card. That to me is the most likely scenario because, as much as I love my Ravens, as I said a couple of different times in this this show tonight, going to uh, the soccer stadium that the Chargers play in and winning before twenty seven thousand uh, or thereabouts, uh, because it's the Chargers, not the twenty seven thousand, will be a very difficult task. Also, the Chargers have got the extra rest, which I think will bode well for them, and. I just don't know if the Ravens are going to be able to score enough, uh, you know, against and keep the as good as their defense is, keep the Charger offense down enough. Uh, that may be the game where we see Joe Flacco. You never know. So if you put a gun to my head right now, I would say the Colts would be the sixth team in. And over in the NFC, again, as I stated before, you know, I've been riding the Seahawks bandwagon, and lo and behold, they win or they they clinch a wild card spot today with the with the win and they lose to the 49ers who play everybody tough. I'm not giving the 49ers a hard time, but you would have expected that with a chance to wrap up a spot, the Seahawks would have gotten it done today. They did not. And the Vikings went out and took care of business, but I still think that those are going to be your two wild cards. I don't see anybody from the NFC East pulling it off. I think the NFC sends one team and one team only. Uh, We know it's only going to be one team from shockingly the NFC South when at the beginning of the year, uh, you would have said three teams in playoff contention and certainly halfway through the season with Carolina at six and two, uh, they were in a wild card driver's seat. So to me, it looks like it's going to be uh, those are, most likely uh, the two 
coming from the NFC. Very interested to see if Nick Foles can lead his now Eagles past the Cowboys to win that division. Now, as we're recording this, really destroying the Rams, 30-13, to 13, shocking and surprising there. They get to play the Redskins at the end of the season, and I don't think the Redskins will be in a position where that game will necessarily matter for them, though they'll play them tough. I think Dallas will be okay. I think they'll be able to hold them off, but it seems like they put a, Dallas, this is, put a lot into last week's win over the Eagles, and this was kind of a letdown game, so I'm assuming they'll bounce back, but... I mean, I, I can't put any faith into a team from the NFC East, no matter who it is, really, because you're either going to have Nick Foles or this unpredictable Dallas team that doesn't really make things very much exciting. So I, I don't really even keep them in my mind when it comes to teams I'm, I'm going to see try to make a run in the postseason. Could be wrong, would be, but we'll see. It, it would be remarkable, and it's, uh, I, you really brought up an incredibly interesting point if after taking them to the Super Bowl and being the MVP of the game and stunning the Patriots and basically, you know, sitting out for pretty much the entire season uh, when the golden boy Wentz comes back and really ha has an up and down season, Wentz turns the ball over a lot, very inconsistent, hurt again. What a story it would be if he would come off the bench and write yet another chapter of taking the Eagles to the postseason uh, as, as the backup quarterback when we had them dead in the water. And it's possible. Look, this was this is the game we had absolutely – no, no one's giving them a chance of winning. And they're in great shape here at 30-13 for the folks who uh, aren't watching this game and – just so you know, we're, we're taping this on a Sunday night in the midst of the Eagles playing tremendous and the Rams playing probably their worst game of the year. If they pull this off, look, they sure as hell got a chance because the Cowboys' performance today was nothing short of abysmal. And if you can play that poorly, then I, I can't count on you to do anything. Because they, they pretty much ha had me sold. They pretty much had me sold. And then they pulled this rock, which was, this was an embarrassing performance. They were awful today. Absolutely awful. So why am I to believe that they can beat the Eagles? A lot of teams that were cruising at the midpoint of the season that looked to be easy front runners for the postseason very ugly games in week 15. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. Let's get our picks out of the way, and then we can get into some predictions for college football since that First semifinal weekend letting into what will be the championship will happen while we're probably enjoying leftovers and a new year. I, I, I want a gaudy two and four. Uh, <laughs> this this having a pick six in the NFL has not been great, Al. Not been uh, great. I, 
I, I thought Buffalo would win the Detroit game, which was good for me because Detroit was one of my underpicks and this sealed it. I, I had the Bills minus two and a half. Uh, or, it, what am I? I think it was one and a half. One, two and a half for the Bills, yeah. Two and a half. Uh, there was never a chance that I was going to cover that uh, because the Bills were behind early, took the lead, behind again, came back, took the 14-3 win. And that was a 14-13 win, and that was all she wrote. Uh, my my POD, if there was one game I could pick, was an easy winner. I thought that finally the Falcons would, would go out and pummel somebody because Carolina, or Arizona is so bad. They have to go on the road. Uh, so that one was minus nine and a half. Uh, and that one came in. Uh, you know, the, the, uh, the Dallas pick, you know, I, I, plus three and a half. I, I really thought that was a solid pick, and they just went in there and completely and totally laid an egg. Uh, I probably should have thought better of the Packer pick because they should have been getting more than five, but I took them plus five, and other than down seven three, they were never in a cover scenario. Uh, losing, uh, what was the what was the twenty four fourteen? Twenty four seventeen. It was 24-17. Uh, so they, w- they would have needed the, the garbage touchdown, or it's just a late touchdown instead of, instead of the field goal, to get that cover. But they were trailing that entire game. Uh, so what does that put me at? One, two. Oh, the, the, the Titans the you didn't loser. mention, right? Uh, the, the, the Titans. I, I took the Titans because, you know, His Highness was out. It was a kill-or-be-killed game for the Titans. Uh and you know, they wound up – I did I think they'd spank the Giants? I didn't think they'd spank them. But they completely shut the Giant offense down totally and completely. And uh, as a result, I go two and four. I also went two and four. So those that faded correctly, congratulations. I also took the Falcons, which ended up being a seemingly an easy bet based on how much they won by. Took the Bears at five and a half because I wanted the Packers to win just so the Aaron Rodgers in the playoff picture storyline could continue, so I faded myself correctly, of course. Giants, Cowboys, and then real American money on both the Seahawks and the Patriots. So anybody out there that needs their team to be successful either getting into the postseason or in that wild card round, you let me know, and I will play the other team with real money. You'll have a great chance of getting your team to where you want them to be. Locked on you. Locked on you. So, so, so take, the, take the charges next week and lay the wood. Folks, John, Tine, John Tiny Lund is giving you the secret to success. Don't look a gift towards this holiday season in the mouth because you know if you don't just take his picks and fade them do the next best thing or or even better take mine right 929-274-3437 i'll be in contact with al we will fade whomever you want us to we'll put down whomever we'll be fine you let us know what you want us to play and play it correctly 
and you'll, you'll get what you want to happen. You need your yeah, team to beat so and so. Let us know. Tweet the show. We'll take care of it for you. However you want it, we'll, 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 t- we'll make sure it gets done. So any chance as we quickly dive into the college football playoff with the four teams, though that argument for eight will continue for the next... Ooh. Until it is eight. Yeah, well, at least, at least three weeks, but you're right. <laughs> that's, that's not going to stop. Any chance for Oklahoma, any chance for Notre Dame, what do you think is going to happen when the one faces four and the two faces three? Well, contrary to popular belief and what all the experts say, and even the non-experts, I'm probably going to be out there on an island. Uh, I, I give Oklahoma a better chance of beating Alabama than I do Notre Dame beating Clemson. I think Clemson will be rested. I think Clemson will be ready. I think Clemson is better physically. Uh, and I think that their defense, which is absolutely loaded, as you know, with Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay's number one picks across the front, are going to give uh, the Notre Dame quarterback fits. And I think his Cinderella story, even though he has had a wonderful season, remember, folks, he started as the backup uh and once he got the job uh, he never looked back except for an injury and then Winbush came back off the bench and, and did a wonderful job in his start so um I, I just think Clemson has way too much physicality across the front although the Notre Dame offensive line is always highly rated I, I, I don't think Notre Dame can play the game at speed. But keep in mind, Clemson does have the true freshman quarterback who is one of the most highly recruited quarterbacks in the country. Love the way he spins it. He's long, he's lean, and he looks like he's going to be a surefire first-round draft pick if he stays healthy. Uh, But I think that Clemson will win that game by a couple touchdowns, and I think Oklahoma will give Alabama a snootful. I know their defense is a sieve, but I don't care what anybody says. You know, and remember, Oklahoma took Georgia's defense apart last year in the Rose Bowl, and I think they will take Alabama's defense apart in their game as well. Will Alabama probably win in the long run? Probably, but I think Oklahoma can beat them. They're the most fun team to watch in the country with the most exciting player in the country to watch. So I'm going to go against the green totally, and I'm going to pick an Oklahoma-Clemson matchup in the finals with Oklahoma stunning the Crimson Tide who dodged the bullet against their arch-rival Georgia. I don't think they're going to be able to dodge another one. If I had one of those DJ horn sirens at the ready in my soundboard, I would play it here. A hot take. That would be worth it. Don't you think that pick is worth it? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? If you're wrong, oh well. So it went to chalk, and if you're right, perfect. As we've been mentioning on the show, great scenario for ACC Radio on Sirius XM 371 with two teams. We did steal Notre Dame as our ACC team for football because every other sport is with the ACC. We're guaranteed a team in the national championship game, which is great. From what everyone has said up to this point, 
interviewing both from the Clemson and the Notre Dame side, there hasn't been someone that can give more than one, like, what part of the ball is Notre Dame better at than Clemson? There might be, like, a brief glimpse of, well, maybe they're better in the secondary or maybe they're better at the running game, but there's not this, this, and this. It's they have to kind of reach for one, both, both sides. So I, I don't see Clemson losing this game. I think the experience of the others on the team that obviously aren't a true freshman like Trevor Lawrence, it, it's going to be interesting with him if he has one of those deer-in-the-headlights-esque games. He kind of had it a little bit against your Syracuse Orange. Yes, he did. Thankfully, he didn't have to finish that game out. Very similar to the Tua situation with Alabama. He gets hurt. Jalen Hurts comes in, is able to win the game. Not to say Trevor Lawrence wouldn't have found a way to win that game, but he didn't look good for that particular game. He's looked much better since then and has come along. I would say there's more likelihood that it happens to the Notre Dame side of the football where it's too big of a stage in a sense. Clemson's been here before, as we know. While a different personnel, the coaching personnel knows how to get ready for this type of game, not to say which Brian I think Kelly, is which just... I think is huge. Right. Huge. Uh, th- this has basically become a walk on the beach now for, uh, you know, the coach and uh, and his staff. They're there every year. You know, and, and Dabo, you know, makes it fun. He's a great interview. He seems to keep the kids loose as a goose. So I, I don't think there's going to be any kind of scenario where Clemson is going to be overwhelmed uh, by the bright lights and the big stage. They've now become, you know, one of the elite programs in the country that expects to be in this playoff every year. And quite frankly, they are. I wouldn't mind seeing Oklahoma play an incredible first half and really put the scare into Alabama at least. The offense comes out strong, touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. Alabama has a couple three and outs, and before you know it, it's backs against the wall if you're the Crimson Tide. Make, make things a little bit exciting because unfortunately for these semifinal games, since the college football playoff has started, more often than not, they end up being pretty easily... Well, they're blowouts, really. <laughs> you know, the, well, the Georgia-Oklahoma game last year was a blast. Right. So. right. More often than not, we end up with the, the game gets a little out of hand, and, and it's pretty easy to see who's going to move on. Close games in each would be great. I would favor more as well. I think Clemson will have a little bit of an easier time with Notre Dame than Alabama might have with Oklahoma though I think it'll be an Alabama-Clemson national championship game. And then all hands on deck for that, obviously. The thing that's going to be most interesting to me is when Georgia played Alabama, I thought the Alabama defense got very, very tired. And they were in deep trouble. And then along came that missed field goal that would have made it 31-14. After that field goal was missed, that entire game changed. But up until that point, Georgia had kept the Alabama defense on the field, and they, to me, were clearly tired. I'm very curious to see how they handle 
an Oklahoma team and the pace that they play at, will it have an effect on the Alabama defense in terms of the speed with which they play the game at the number of plays they run? Not so much the fact that they're a grinded out team that's going to run 80 plays, but the fact that they do everything so quickly. This is not anything that Alabama has seen. How will their defense deal with the Oklahoma offense and a quarterback who is absolutely uh, electric? Right. And I have a feeling Oklahoma fans are going to come out in droves. It it might sound like an Alabama home game, no matter what. I I think they're going to be very excited for this. So that offense gets rolling. Those fans get loud. Hey. Let's see if Alabama will have an answer if they get into that point in the game. I hope that happens. I'd love to see it. I just love watching this kid play. He's so much fun to watch because he's so freak. He he can people don't understand how good a thrower he is. He's got a big. T- he's not a big guy, obviously, but he's a he's got a big arm. He's got great arm strength. You know, yes, he's only five nine, maybe five five ten. I don't even know if he's five ten. So that always causes the problem seeing over defenders. But he has got a big-time arm. He can make every throw in the book. So uh, he is clearly going to test that Alabama defense, and I am so looking forward to that game. Al, it's always a pleasure. Sports Radio America, at least, will be off for Christmas week and New Year's week to enjoy the holidays with their families and their loyal listeners. We will do the same, depending on what happens in the sports world. Maybe you can catch a special edition podcast at LondonBridge.com, on, at LondonBridge on Twitter. We might throw something out on the Bridge Sportscast, if warranted. But if not, Merry Christmas to you and your family. Happy New Year to you and your family. Looking forward to many more episodes to come in 2019. It's been a blast so far, and I can't wait to keep going with it. John, all the same to you and, and your family and your lovely girlfriend. Folks, Keep your eye on that London Bridge website because these are two, as I'm sure you know, sports fanatics who love to talk it. So chances are we're not going to be able to go two weeks without doing a program. But regardless, everybody have a tremendous Christmas and a wonderful new year. For John Tiny Lund, I am Al Renato, AKL from White Plains. Take care, everybody. We'll be back next Monday night, 8 p.m. Eastern time here on Sports Radio America. You can listen at sportsradioamerica.com and interact with the show there as well or find us on the TuneIn app by searching for Sports Radio America. You can also follow John Lund under the same handle on Twitter at London Bridge. Thanks again for listening.